Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Good morning and welcome everybody. Uh, I am Pastor Chris and again, if uh, as Scott said, if losing an hour of sleep threw you off this morning and you are home watching online in your PJs, welcome. Isn't it awesome that you can worship the Lord and uh, listen to God's word in your pajamas? We might have pajama Sunday here uh, one day at Coastal. They do that at school sometimes, so I don't know. Some of you look like you're wearing, no, I'm just joking. Anyway, uh, we're glad that you're here this morning. Hey, one thing I want to kind of put on your radar and uh, maybe go ahead and get some of you signed up for, uh, you know, Easter is just about a month away now. And uh, we're going to go into high gear here soon as far as our advertising campaign, reaching out to people and uh, encouraging you to invite and bring your friends. Uh, It's probably a little early right now to start that, but you definitely need to start praying for them. But the theme of Easter weekend, uh, the theme of that Sunday's message and a new series that we're kicking off uh, is called Welcome Home. Welcome home. And I want you to imagine your mind, like all the images that you might have of, of maybe people who've been away and they've come home to a, just a, an expectant, you know, hug and welcomed embrace. Maybe picture uh, those in our military, uh, servicemen and women who've been abroad and they're coming home for those surprise welcome. And it's just full of so much joy and emotion. So that's the theme of that new series that we're going to be doing Welcome Home. Come home to God. And you can find forgiveness and a family and all kinds of exciting things. Well, on Easter weekend for all seven services, what we're going to do is uh, we're actually going to have people lined up on the street uh, from our church all the way down to the Greenway and uh, holding up welcome home signs uh, and balloons. So if you can smile and, uh, and, and hold a sign, we would love for you to be a part of the welcome home sign team. And uh, you can sign up for that today on the back of your Connect card. And uh, Chris Renew, who leads our first impression team, uh, will be in contact with you. And uh, you might you know, sign up your, your life group, some folks in your group, or uh, maybe your family, husband, wife, you know, teenagers. Uh, we probably don't want little children out there on the street, but you know, older kids. And uh, man, if you can, if you can spin your sign, you take it to a whole nother level. Okay, so let us know about that. We would seriously, we would love for you to be a part of that welcome home team. Now. Today, uh, we are in week five of this series that uh, we uh, kicked off as a part of this 100-day challenge uh, called The Journey. And uh, each week, we're taking a look at a specific story in the life of Jesus. In other words, uh, we're looking at his journey. And our hope and our prayer, as it is every Sunday, is that the journey of Jesus is going to intersect with you and your journey and change your life. Okay, so today's encounter uh, with Jesus is kind of a short one, but it's very significant, very important. First of all, it's important because it's the story of when someone first starts following Jesus. And that's always exciting. We're going to learn about that. And um, that someone is a guy by the name of Levi, or or Matthew as we call him. Matthew, of course, becomes one of uh, Jesus' original 12 disciples, and eventually God uses him to author one of the four Gospels, uh, the book of Matthew. So that's who this is. But that, we kind of have all that picture in our mind, but you need to understand something. That uh, was definitely not the trajectory of this guy's life whatsoever, okay? before Jesus comes along and completely turns his life upside down. And you'll see what I'm talking about in just a few minutes. But before we dig into that and we get into Matthew's story, here's what I want you to do today. I want you to think about your own story for a moment. 
You see, everybody's got one. Everybody's got a story. Now, if you grew up in uh, church or if you've been a Christian for a while, maybe you're familiar with the term your testimony, okay? So for a believer, your testimony is simply your story, okay? It's your story, your story of what your life was like before you met Jesus, okay, before you were a believer, before you were a Christian, and then when and how did you come to faith? You know, how did you become a Christian? What did that look like? How did that happen in your life? And then, you know, how your life has changed since you've been a follower of Jesus. What your life, you know, has looked like. How he's made a difference in your life. Okay, so that's your story. And everybody's got one. And so, in just a few short verses in this passage today, we're going to take a look at Matthew's story and see it unfold before our eyes. But again, before we dig into Matthew's story, his journey... Here's what I'm wondering today, where you're at in your own story and your own journey. You see, maybe, just maybe, like Matthew, um, you've been kind of living life on your own terms to this point. You know, just kind of doing life, you know, your own way, your own terms, and then seemingly, you know, kind of out of nowhere, Jesus has gotten a hold of you. You know, Jesus has crossed your path, so to speak. He has, you know, reached out to you, called your name, so to speak. And, and maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe that's why you've been, you know, checking things out here. So the reality is, I believe, hey, you got a choice to make. You're at a crossroads. Now, the other reason why this little encounter um, is important is because it actually gives us a very vivid glimpse into why exactly Jesus came. Okay, in fact, uh, this is one of the few passages in the Bible where Jesus tells us in his own words, he says, hey, listen up, this is why I'm here. This is why I came to earth. So it's an important passage. Let's follow along uh, as I read Luke chapter 5, 27 through 32. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi. And again, uh, we know him as Matthew. Some translations uh, go ahead and uh, use his name Matthew here. So Matthew, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home. Uh, with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Listen to what they said. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. So Matthew was a tax collector. The word literally means he collected uh, the tax tribute or the toll as people passed by uh, into their Galilee region. Now, he would have had like a, a very nice uh, tax booth set up on a, on a major thoroughfare, a major highway. Now, here's how it worked back then. So there was this guy by the name of Herod, Herod Antipas. He was the ruler of the region. He would have demanded a certain amount of tax money from the tax collectors, which from which he would then send a certain amount of tax money 
on up, up the food chain, so to speak, onto Rome. Now, Matthew and the other tax collectors, they were able to charge whatever they wanted to charge as long as Herod and Rome both got their cut. Now, tax collectors often charge twice, at least twice, the required amount, and then they got rich off the difference. They pocketed the difference. And if you ever thought about not paying uh, your tax, uh, the tax collectors actually had access to Roman soldiers that would serve as the enforcers. Okay, so basically this was nothing more than a, a good old-fashioned shakedown. Okay, that's what was going on. Now, as a result, these tax collectors, they were absolutely hated by everybody especially just the ordinary Jewish people. They were considered traitors because while they themselves were Jewish, they worked for the hated Romans. They're basically oppressing their own people and getting rich from it, from their suffering. So tax collectors in that day to Jewish people were on the same level as swine, okay, pigs. And they were even barred from worship in the synagogue. They were considered the worst of the worst. So that's Matthew. Now, at this point, Matthew had certainly heard something about Jesus, okay? Jesus is getting a following, you know, uh, all the information about him starting to spread, and he's been preaching and teaching and healing in, in this area now for several months. So one day, Jesus makes his way past Matthew's tax booth, and he gives him basically a very simple two-word command. The same command, the same call that Jesus is still issuing today to everyone. Follow me. That's it. Follow me. And so he looks Matthew in the eye and in the heart. And he says, follow me. And he just keeps walking. So Matthew's got an important decision to make. Most important decision of his entire life. But here's what I want you to hear loud and clear today, and I don't want you to miss this. It is the exact same decision, the same choice that everyone eventually has to make. It's the same decision we're all faced with and we've got to come to terms with. Matthew, at this point in his life, he looked, at it, he looked at everything. He looked at his life, his position, his money, his direction, you know, his purpose, his stuff, all of it. And he looks at Jesus. And he makes the greatest decision, the greatest choice of his life. He decides that he's going to follow Jesus. And so again, what I don't want you to miss today is that here we are 2,000 years later. And, and the call from Jesus is still the same. It is the most important decision that you're ever going to make. The most important. And listen, everyone is called to make it. You see, Jesus passes by everyone. He reaches out to everyone. And he simply says, follow me. And then you've got to decide. 
Now, it's possible you're here today and you might think, man, Pastor Chris, there is no way Jesus is ever going to reach out to me. You know, that for some reason, because of maybe who you think you are or what you've done or what your life has been like, that there is no way that Jesus would ever reach out to you and say, follow me. And yet Matthew, this, this really terrible tax collector sinner, You know what? He stands out to all of us as a reminder that, guess what? Jesus reaches out to everybody, everyone, you know, that that no one is beyond his call. Jesus is calling you today. Even if for some reason you don't think you qualify, you do. He's simply saying, follow me. So, The question I have for you today really is this. Have you accepted the call? Have you said yes to following Jesus? Have you decided to to follow him? Now, if you're not sure whether or not you've ever done that, um, I think in this story here, this very short story, there are some uh, interesting characteristics and marks of, of people who are following Jesus that we see in the story of Matthew. So I want us to talk about them today. Okay, so if you're taking notes, number one, when you're following Jesus, he becomes the center of your life. He becomes the center of your life. Now, before Matthew started following Jesus, you know, basically, his life revolved around anything and everything other than Jesus. Probably his life revolved around his job, right? He's going to make a boatload of money in this, uh, you know, he's kind of fixed for life in this very lucrative uh, position, this occupation that he has. And so when Jesus calls him, when Jesus reaches out to him, he's got to choose what his life is now going to revolve around. Will his life revolve around his job, cheating people, making money, or is it going to revolve around obeying and pleasing Jesus? So let me ask you today, Who or what is at the center of your life? Because everybody's life revolves around something. Now, for a moment, I want you to think about the solar system, okay? Uh, Two weeks ago, I got an opportunity uh, to visit the Kennedy Space Center. Okay, so I got space on the brain. So I want you to think about the, uh, the solar system for a moment. Now, we all know that the sun is the center of our solar system, but did you know that the sun is so large then it comprises 98% of the mass of our solar system. It's huge. The planet Jupiter is 300 times larger than Earth, but the sun is 1,000 times larger than Jupiter. The gravitational pull of the sun keeps everything in order and in line. Now, think of your life for a moment, like the solar system, okay? Jesus is supposed to be the center, He's the sun, and all the different planets, let's pretend they represent like a different area of your life, okay? So let's say Mercury represents money, your money, your stuff, your possessions, maybe Venus is, you know, your relationships, and Earth is your your personal plans and your goals, and Mars is food, and Neptune is uh, your job, and Jupiter represents your hobbies, and so on and so forth, okay? You get the idea. Now... All those different areas or parts of your life are are great. I mean, they're good. There's nothing wrong with any of them. But if any one of those areas ever moves into the center of your solar system, 
your life is seriously going to spiral out of control. That might be exactly why your life at times seems out of control today. Maybe something or someone else other than Jesus is at the center. Can you imagine what would happen if the enormous sun, you know, got out of its orbit, or excuse me, moved and decided to, you know, rotate around another planet or two? I mean, it'd be so, it'd be so crazy. The entire solar system would just crash and burn. You see, for the same reason, you and I, we've got to have something in our life, someone, something or someone that is stable and powerful enough at the center of our lives to keep everything else working and in balance and in order. And that someone is intended to be Jesus. You see, when you're really a follower of Jesus, when you've said yes to following him, he becomes the center. You know, and he gives your life meaning and purpose, and then all of a sudden you find that all the other areas of your life make sense as they orbit safely around him. Following Jesus simply means that Jesus is in control. He's at the center of, of, of everything you know, in your life. Everything revolves around him. And not you, not something else. And so Matthew is faced with that decision. And he chose to let his life revolve around Jesus. He gets up. He leaves everything behind. And he follows Christ. So, number two, if you're truly following Jesus, another characteristic is that you invite him into your home. You invite him into your home. You know, it's kind of interesting. The first thing Matthew does is he, he throws a party. And uh, he invites Jesus and the other disciples. And, and, uh, now, and I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss the party part. He throws a party. You know, when, when someone follows Jesus... I, you know, we believe here at Coastal, man, that's a reason to celebrate. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus said um, in Luke chapter 15. And if you're in the 100-day uh, challenge with us, you know, reading through the four Gospels, you actually should have read this yesterday. Um, in Luke 15, he tells three parables back to back to back. The parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and the lost son or the prodigal son. Now, each time in those stories, when that which was lost was found, Okay, whenever the thing that was, you know, had been lost or missing was finally found, what did they do in each story? They partied. They threw a party. In fact, in Luke 15, 32, the prodigal son story, listen to this. We had to what? What's it say? We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. By the way, that's where we celebrate here at Coastal when someone gets baptized. That's the outward representation of someone coming to faith. And when someone gets baptized here at Coastal, man, we hoot and holler, we scream, we, we party, we celebrate. So, listen, so many people today have got this idea in their mind that the Christian life, it is just this very somber, solemn, boring, straight-laced experience that's just got to be endured until you die. Oh my goodness. 
Jesus taught just the opposite, that the Christian life is this joyous, abundant experience that's to be enjoyed and celebrated. So Matthew throws a party, and he invites Jesus to his home. Now, what does home represent for us? I think home represents your family. It represents your everyday life. It represents those parts of your life that nobody else sees except those people that are closest to you. Those private, intimate moments of your life. Who you truly are when the doors are closed and nobody else is looking. Now, sadly, too many people today are unwilling to invite Jesus into their home, into their families, and into their everyday lives. Instead of having a personal relationship with Jesus and following Him, you know what they have? They just have religion. And they've confined their religion, you know, to something in, in a church building, you know, for like an hour or so on a Sunday. Listen, if you're following Jesus, you've invited him into every area of your life. You invite him into your marriage. You invite him into your family. He is the unseen guest at every meal. He is listening to and influencing every conversation and every decision that you make. You've invited him into your home. Number three, if you're truly following Jesus, you want your friends to meet him too. You want your friends to meet Jesus too. Now, not only did Matthew invite Jesus and the disciples to his home for this party, but the Bible says he also invited his fellow tax collector friends. Now why? Well, because he obviously wanted his friends to meet Jesus too. You know what? That's a great mark, a great characteristic of somebody who is truly following Jesus. You've just got this burden, you know, to introduce Jesus to your friends. You know, you've discovered something. It's changed your life, and you just naturally want to share it. So Matthew basically has this, uh, this supper for sinners, okay? Now, he doesn't call it that, but what he's doing is he's just doing what comes natural. You know, he's inviting his friends to his home you know, celebrating so that they can, you know, discover what he's found. You know what? Man, I think that's a great idea. That's awesome. And you say, well, you know, Pastor Chris, I've tried to bring my friends to church, but they just won't come. You know, what can I do? You know what? Why don't you try what Matthew did? You know, just use your home as a, as a safe place where they can join you, you know, for a meal. You invite them to come over, and all they're really doing is just seeing firsthand what a follower of Jesus looks like. And then, in just the, uh, you know, the natural course of conversation and time, you know, and love and service, you're just able to talk about your faith, talk about what a difference Christ has made in your life. You know, and invite them to your church. You see, I actually believe that hospitality, hospitality is actually one of the greatest and yet most often overlooked opportunities that we all have to share and to live out our faith. Guess what? Some of you here in this room and watching online, you guys are amazing hosts and hostesses. So, why don't you invite some of your unchurched friends to your home for a party? Now, 
You don't have to preach to them. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, you don't have to stand up in front of your mantle, your fireplace at some time during the party and say, attention, attention everyone, you know, we're in just a moment, I'm going to give an invitation and we're going to sing just as I am. And uh, we'd love for you all to come forward here in front of this fire because you don't want to go to the fires of hell and, uh, you know, come to Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. You absolutely should not do something like that. You know, you don't have to force the good news of the gospel down anybody's throat. Instead, try offering some good food. You know, for many of your friends, that's a lot easier to swallow. You know, maybe you simply pray before the meal at some point. You just invite Jesus to be present. And again, it might not happen at this one party, but what I'm saying is that over time, as you are praying for and loving and reaching out to your friends, in the natural course of conversation, you're able to talk about your love for the Lord, your love for the church. You see, I'm just saying, be real, have fun. Let them know that you're a believer and you can still have fun. In fact, inside your, um, inside your bulletin today, they might have already fallen on the ground. They sometimes do when we put these cards in there. There's a little invest and invite card. Go ahead and pull that out this morning. This is not, by the way, for you to give away. This is not for you to give to a friend and invite them to Coastal. We have plenty of those, and we're going to make plenty of those things available as we get a little bit closer to Easter. This is for you. It says on the front, I will seek to invest in other people who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus and invite them to Coastal. And on the back, the following is a list of at least three people I am, I am attempting to invest in and invite to Coastal. I'm going to pray for them, share my story, and invite them to Coastal. You're supposed to put this in your wallet, write their names down, and it's people that you're praying for. You know, in other words, it answers the question, who's in your wallet? Who's in your heart? Who are you praying for? And we want you to start thinking about that as we start preparing for Easter Sunday. You know, most surveys say that somewhere between like 58% of unchurched people say that they would gladly attend a church if a friend invited them to join. In fact, George Barna, he's an author and a respected religious researcher, he said this, the most effective means of getting people to experience what a church has to offer is having someone they know who belongs to the church simply invite them to try it. Call it whatever you wish, word of mouth, personal invitation, friendship evangelism. This is indisputably the most effective means of reaching people. Be a friend. But sadly... I can think of a couple of reasons why most Christians today don't, don't do this, okay? Don't have, you know, like Matthew parties. The first reason is, and I think we could probably all collectively say it out loud together, we are all just too what? Busy. We're all too busy. We are frantically scrambling around from day to day, week to week. We are all overscheduled and overbooked. Listen to me. you got to hear this loud and clear. Hurry. Hurry is the enemy of hospitality. Rush. Rush is the enemy of relationships. And yet those two words, hurry and rush, describe most of our lives. And we're out running around, scrambling around things that our lives don't really need to be revolving around anyway. And we've got to make time to prioritize people. 
The other reason why most Christians today don't make time to you know, hang out with or to host a party for all their unchurched or non-believing friends is that typically, listen to this, the longer you're a Christian, the fewer friendships or relationships you have with people who aren't already Christians or don't go to church. And that's sad. I mean, you think about it. The very people that we are called by Jesus to love and serve and reach out to, who desperately just need what we've experienced. And it's not that we're better than anybody. We've just been forgiven. And we're around people who need that. We're no longer in close proximity with those people. And honestly, in the beginning, I don't think that, you know, that was ever intentional or conscious. I think it just is a subtle drift. You know, think about it this way. Imagine the Christian life is kind of a, you know, walking through a door. Okay? Walking through a door. In fact, that's a kind of a biblical picture, actually. Jesus in John 10.10 10 said, I am the door. Revelation 3.20, he said, here I am, I stand at the door and knock, the door of your heart. And if anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. It's interesting, he says, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I'll have a relationship with them. And so, here's what happens. Okay? You open the door, right? You go through the door, you get saved, but you keep going, okay? You keep making progress forward. You're, you know, in other words, you're excited, you know, you're going to church, you're, you're all of a sudden you're in fellowship with all these other believers, and now you're going to like, you know, six life groups or Bible studies, and it's all great. But if you're not careful and intentional, you tend to forget the other people who are still on the outside of the door. You, you can forget our mission. The same mission that Jesus had, right? To seek and save the lost, to do whatever it takes to find the one. Or even worse, you can quickly and very easily become just like these self-righteous Pharisees who look down their noses at both Jesus and his disciples and the very people that we're called to reach, that they were hanging out with. And you develop this, you know, kind of judgmental attitude that it's, you know, us versus them and, you know, we're the good guys and everybody outside the door, you know, they're the bad guys. But listen to me, Jesus, Jesus, he spent so much of his time, you know, hanging out with the bad guys, with the people that were on the outside of the door, that he was known by the Pharisees as, the Bible says, he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. That was his reputation. In fact, what did they say in verse 30 of the story? Why do you eat and drink with such scum? I hope one day people say that about Pastor Chris. And about you. Because that's our job. That's our mission. Now, how did Jesus respond to them? What did he say? Verses 31 and 32. Well, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call, listen to this, not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they're sinners and need to repent. Now, 
Let's talk about Jesus' mission because we see it here. And he uses the picture of a doctor to communicate his purpose. And that's why he's often referred to as the great physician. Number one, Jesus, the great physician, he came to heal sin-sick people. He said, I have come to earth for the same reason that a doctor spends his time in a hospital, to heal the sick. Now, here is God's official diagnosis of each and every one of us. We are all infected with the disease of sin. All of us. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. And Jesus, he said, I came to help sinners. He he was talking about those tax collectors and Matthew's friends, but guess what? He was also talking about those self-righteous Pharisees. And he's talking about you too. And me, all of us. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for who? Everyone has sinned. We've all been infected. By the way, I wish we were as concerned about the, the, the infection of sin than we are about corona or flu or anything. Listen, he says we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Number two, Jesus the great physician can't help you until you admit you have a need. He said, I have come to call those who know they are sinners. The problem is, listen to this, and we all know this is true. We have this universal tendency to deny that we're sick, don't we? To ever admit that we have a problem or a need. But sin's a serious problem. In fact, Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is, what does it say? It's death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't care what, your, what the problem is okay, in your life, whatever it is, you can never get help with it until you admit that there is a problem and that you have a need. And Jesus, the great physician, cannot heal your sin problem until first you admit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Number three, Jesus, the great physician, requires repentance before treatment begins. He said, I've come to call those who know they're sinners and know they need to what? Repent. You see, you've got to admit that you're a sinner, and then you've got to be willing to turn from your sin and surrender your life to Jesus. So let's keep using uh, Jesus as the doctor, as the, the picture of a doctor. So you first must admit that you're sick, right, to the doctor so that he can help you. But then you've got to interrupt your your daily life and go see the doctor, you know? Now, your walk into that doctor's office is kind of like repentance because you're willing to renounce that sin, that sickness, in order to be healed. Now, you're not well yet, but you're turning now to the doctor for help. And then you've got to be willing to surrender to the expertise of and, and the treatment of the doctor. So that entire sequence, okay, and the entire sequence of salvation begins with something called repentance. And don't get, you know, I know sometimes we, we think of that word like, oh, repent, you know. It, it simply means to turn around, you know, to head in a different direction. Acts 3.19 says, now repent of your sins and turn to God. In other words, turn away from your sin and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. 
Now, repentance doesn't mean that you've got to clean up your act, you know, before you come to Jesus. That's crazy. No, you can't do the cleaning. So you simply turn from your sin and you turn to Jesus for help. And then you submit to the great physician and you follow his orders. So what about you today? You know, if, you are, if you're already a believer, have you, have you gone so far through the door and forward that you have forgotten about the very people that we're called to love and reach? And have you developed a self-righteous attitude of, you know, well, I'm good and they're bad? You know, are you loving and praying for and reaching out to the very people that God sent His Son Jesus to save, you included? What about this? Have you turned away from your sin and turned toward the great physician? You can do it today. Guess what? He is, he's issued the same call, and he's waiting for you right now. Just like Matthew, are you willing to make him the center of your life? Will you invite him into your home? See, Jesus is still here, and he's still calling us with that same two-word command. Follow me. It is the most important decision you're ever going to make. So will you? Have you? The choice is yours. We you bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you today for your word. Thank you for Jesus that calls out to sinners. All of us. Follow me. Listen, if you are here today and you are ready to come home, maybe you feel like you know, your story is similar to Matthew, that you have been living your way on your terms and your life is revolved around anything and everything other than God. It doesn't matter. Our God loves you. He cares for you. And Jesus is calling you by name today, simply saying, follow me. And you don't have to clean up your life, your act, before you come to him. He loves you and accepts you just as you are. Just turn away from all of that and simply turn in faith to him today. Just pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit it. I am sick with sin. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I admit it. it my life is revolved around so many other things. But today... Today, God, I choose to follow Jesus. I turn away from all of that, and I turn in faith to Jesus. I believe, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died on the cross for my sin. I believe that he is alive, that he rose from the dead, and he is alive. And today, I ask Jesus to forgive me and to be my Lord and my Savior, and for the rest of my days, God, I simply want to follow him. I want to become more and more like you see me now. Your son, your daughter, forever forgiven and a part of your family. Thank you. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.